growing up here, even though things haven't happened only a decade or at most two before I was born, it, I just, it, they don't teach it in schools for sure. And my dad never talked about it at the dinner table. He's just not that kind of guy. That was Josh Chuck, co-director and producer of the documentary Chinatown Rising. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. In this podcast, Josh details what all it took to make his documentary movie. It started with a phone call from his dad, Harry Chuck. Harry was cleaning the garage and had archival footage from Chinatown community activist events in the 1970s. From there, the idea grew and grew. In 2019, the movie premiered at CAM Film Festival in San Francisco. Josh left off in part one with his time at UC Davis, where he started getting into filmmaking. Here's Josh. I had no idea that my dad had film footage until I was probably in college. He probably saw I had an interest in doing some film stuff, and that's when I saw in the garage there was a bunch of old film reels in like these really old metal cans. And they were in this like chest. I don't know if that's like a common thing. I know it is for Chinese people. They, it's like a, it's like a black chest with like brass fittings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they were just in this chest and, um, and he moved a couple times and, uh, they just stayed in the garage. Um, I didn't, I, I got to see some of it when I was in college, mm-hmm. and I just thought, it's interesting, I guess. It's old, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was about it. Was it kind of just like, oh, that's what my dad was doing back then, and, and you didn't go deeper until later? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't until I was like in my mid-30s when I was working full-time at Cameron House doing fundraising, and he called me and said, hey, I'm cleaning out the garage finally, uh, what do you think I should do with these, with all this film? And he he mentioned, should I donate it? Should I throw it away? What should I do? And I thought, like, what? <laughs> um, Thank God he asked, though. Also, anyway, it's true. It's true. Sometimes we get into these cleaning fits where we just want to get rid of stuff because we've just been looking at it so long. It's it's definitely important, I think, to for us to at least find out about our own stories and tell them um, about our families and stuff like that. Um, I told, I told him, okay, just hold on. Just like, wait, let me see. I I would like to see some of the footage like closer. And, and so one day he set up this like old reel to reel thing. He had all this equipment still too. So he sets, he sets up this really clunky thing and, and we're looking at this like tiny little preview or it's like three inches wide and I, again, think, wow, that's pretty interesting stuff. Like, um, there was some protest footage and some stuff about, like, a hearing that looked like it was City Hall. And and so I thought, that's interesting, but I can't deal with this machine, this reel-to-reel, freaking manually cranking this. I just can't. I can't look at all these footage, these cans, and think of trying to look at it all this way. So And then assemble it into something. Well, that wasn't even a thing. Just even seeing what was on there was like, felt daunting already. Did it have sound? Some of it had sound, but not that 
a lot of the sound was not attached to it. Right. It was separate. Right. Um, so I convinced my dad to digitize all of it. Um, so he, he agreed and we sent it down to LA and got it all digitized. And that was, that was when I got to watch it all. And it was about 11 hours worth. Okay. And damn, I was, I was blown away. Yeah. I mean, Did it you was, watch any of it with him or just, uh, some of, I started by myself. I just wanted to watch it all. Mm-hmm. So I turned on some music, you know. And were you logging like, any? Like, no, I did not. You were just not watching. to start. I just wanted to watch and like take it in. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, it was the color was great. It was so clean, and the sh- the shots were great. But I still didn't really know the context. I just felt like, damn, you have more than I thought, and something's going on in there. Did you know any of the people already? From growing up? Barely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, so the, the stories we end up telling in the film, I knew almost none of that okay. before we made the film. Um, growing up here, even though things haven't happened only a decade or at most two before I was born, it, I just, it, they don't teach it in schools for sure. And my dad never talked about it at the dinner table. He's just not that kind of guy. Um, and so, yeah, I had no idea. Um, so it was pretty um, impressive footage. So he decided to do start doing interviews of people he knew from from those times. And at that point, I was not really, like, I was still working full time, so it was really hard to help him. So Anson and him, he started, um, Anson and him started doing these interviews and then, uh, like video, video, video interviews. Yeah. yeah. Um, the interviews, were, <laughs> oh, we like to talk about this now because it's all in the past, but like the interviews were not great. Right. Like it was only two people crew and like my dad would talk to, these are his friends. And he would talk to them, and they would just—they wouldn't tell him the full story because they're like, well, "You already know it." Yeah, you—you you know, you were there. <laughs> yeah, right. And then they—then my dad didn't really—he had never done video interviews before. So then my dad's talking a lot, and like it just became this conversation, this hangout, and it didn't, like, it wasn't super usable. But I did see them working hard, and I—I uh, I remember I had a conversation with my wife at that time, and. I was not like work was just work. It wasn't super fulfilling. And she said to me like, um, are you going to help your dad or not? <laughs> Cause my dad was pretty old already. He was like 80 years old at that time. And he didn't have the technical know-how at all to, to do this stuff. So I said, you know what? You're right. And I, I quit my job and I just committed to, to helping him so going from two people to three is huge sure especially when everyone can kind of do their role that suits them mm-hmm. so i kind of hopped in and um then i started conducting the interviews what, what, what was the project or the intent at, at that point oh, was, yeah. did, did you guys know you were making a movie um I think we had the idea to make something 
that would get out there. Like we've always loved the Asian American Film Festival here in San Francisco. Um, my friends have had things in there a lot. The and camp, the camp, camp fest, fest yeah, yeah. yeah. And they even had this thing called like home movies, and all they did was like show people's home movies. Right. And they had actually talked to my dad about that a long time ago because they knew he had some stuff. And, right. and my dad was like, "Well, maybe I should just do that." And so that was like the starting point. Was like, "Well, we're just gonna put something out there." And I don't know what it's gonna look like, but and we had no idea like what it would cost to make like a full-on movie, right? Because I mean, I don't know. When you make small stuff, you don't have that many costs, right? You just do the work. I started doing some of the interviews, which was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Not taking credit for it, but they could see how. Green, I was, and how much I did not know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're just like, "Well, let me tell this young guy like stuff he needs to know," and mm-hmm. then they would go into detail and and tell the stories. Right. Um, and at some point, we we made a trailer, like a like this real raw trailer about that just tried to emphasize the footage a mm-hmm. lot mm-hmm. and my dad's voice. And with that, we kind of made like a we did a Kickstarter campaign. And we applied for grants and stuff like that. And our, our team grew to like, we had like one more person. His name's James Chan. He's a director, producer, and he's done stuff in Chinatown before. And he also grew up at Cameron House. So we're all connected and um, we felt like a close knit team. And we did this Kickstarter thing. And you ever do a Kickstarter? I have not. My or, fiance has. It's um, really uncertain, right? You got to put sure. like a goal. Yep. And if you don't make the goal, you don't get any of the money at right. all. Right. And so we're, we're thinking like, well, what should our goal be? And a guy who knew, who, who's done a lot of that stuff said, well, you guys better be careful. Like go for like 15 grand. And, and I was like, "Uh, I think we could do better than that. Like, I think it was a go for like, and I was pushing for like more. And then I think we ended up at at like 35 we aimed for. Okay. And, uh, like the response was immediate. It was pretty it was beyond what I thought was possible. Like, uh, first day people were giving us like a thousand bucks. Wow. And then there was like people I knew who were were so, they were like 20 years old and they're like, uh, let me wait till my next paycheck. I'm gonna give you guys like something. And like, and then people I knew from the past that I hadn't talked to in 20 years. I, I mean, it was just a really, it was, that was like the first validation. Like, Oh, this is important. I was going to say, not only is it good um, financially, but you're like, oh, this, like we've struck a chord. People want this. We needed that. The community needs this. Yeah. So. Yeah, we needed that. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up raising money. We ended up raising like 80000 from that. Uh-huh. And then we got a grant from CAM and a grant from California Humanities. And then we all looked at each other like, oh shit we gotta make this now you have to make a movie yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then uh for the next like couple years we kind of struggled through it and like everyone on the street we kept seeing our friends like are you done yet right you guys done and yeah uh and we were kind of close but not i mean it was we made so many mistakes um and the first the biggest mistake was i tried to edit the film myself Mm -hmm. without having ever edited a feature film Mm mm-hmm how many, can I ask, um, so you said, uh, was it 11 hours of uh-huh. your dad's footage? And then how many in, um, in new interviews? Like how, how, many, how many hours? We ended up doing about 50 interviews, which are about two to three hours each. Jesus Christ. 
the transcripts themselves of the interviews were thousands of pages. Oh my god! Um, it was a lot. I mean, I think at the end we had over fifteen thousand photos we were looking through. So that a, a project of that scale is not. It's just not meant for a first timer, <laughs> and, and definitely not one person. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So, um, so then when I when I asked our friend Greg, I had no thought he would actually do it. I just didn't. It's not what he does usually, and um, it just fit so perfectly for what he wanted at that time. He wanted to spend time back here in San Francisco sometimes, and he wanted to um, work together. We had not worked together since college, right? Right, and uh, and now it's. 18 or so years later. Yeah. yeah, and we were able to pay him. Oh, good. And so it was just, when Greg came on, things started moving, and um, he somehow picked up on what we were trying to do so fast um, that we had a, we, he put together a rough cut mm-hmm. at some point, and um, it didn't take him that long. And so we sent in the rough cut to Cam because they had funded us, so they, they want to see it. And um, it was rough. Yeah. It was, like, really rough. How long was it? That rough cut was mm-hmm. probably a couple hours. Okay. We barely had an ending. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was just this gathering of stuff put together. Mm-hmm. And so in, I remember it was in February, Cam called me and said, hey, uh, we want you to be in our festival in May. Was this 18 or 19? This was... Uh, 19 so last, last year, year last, last year okay. yeah so it was in february and they they asked oh can you get it done by may and then i said uh yeah sure like i think so and and then they called back like the next day or something like that and we're like hey we actually want you to uh be opening night at the festival and the only thing i could think of was crap that means we had to get it done even faster <laughs> Like even the f- couple of days we needed, like, so we. Um, but that stage, that opening, that's huge. So yeah, we took it. We were like, yeah, we want yeah, to do that, right. and um, and then the next two months was like, I've never worked that hard. Right. I have never ever. Oh my god! It was a, so. It was so much work that I had never done before, but it was so fun mm-hmm. because when you are the director. You get to work with all these people who are so good at what they do. Right. The sound person, the music person, the the editor. They're so professional and they just keep asking, like, well, what else do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, how else can I can I do it? And I just all I had to do is kind of like well, I had to really f- like reflect on what decisions need to be made and then just like and then I could just kind of say, Well, what would this look like? And then they would just do it. And do it so fast. That's it was good. amazing. So so that we needed that deadline, basically, to get it done or else I think we would have... We would probably still be working on it. Right. Right. No Deadlines doubt. are good in that, in that sense. Yeah, we needed it. Were you learning a lot? Oh, um, like? Well, in hindsight, was, at least? I was learning a ton. Like, there's just so much that goes into it. Um, I was learning, like, first of all, how to make a film. That was like the a big thing, obviously. Um, but I was also learning how to work with my dad. That was and continues to be 
not the easiest thing. Um, and pro- probably most of that is on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's very flexible and he's very team oriented. Mm-hmm. I'm impatient mm-hmm. and I, uh, I just want things to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, there were many, many times where I would be up at night trying to go to bed and I just have to text my dad like, Hey, sorry. Right. Like, I'm sorry about what happened just now. Cause, yeah. uh, we got into it a lot mm-hmm. and he would be like, are you seriously going over every second of this film? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I am. Kinda have to I don't that. want the feeling of like watching it on the big screen next to people and feeling like I want to explain why something is kind of not exactly how I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Or being surprised by anything. Like, you know, you have to. Oh, yeah. Like, and or apologizing. Oh, sorry. You know, anything. Like, I want it to be, I want it to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is just to put your all into every second of it. And, um, and so I, I was learning how to work with my dad and I was learning, like, about the history. Things kept popping up that we didn't know about. Um, my dad would, like, tell us some crazy story about himself. And we're like, hey, you could have told us this two years ago, right? right? And so it was just so such an interesting process for us, and it was so personal for me. Yeah. He's like, by the way, I toured with the Rolling Stones. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a humble guy. Jumping ahead just for one sec, yeah. have you and your dad, because I'm imagining that this whole thing, this whole experience with your dad, like... You guys, I mean, it's a big deal. Um, have you and your dad had a chance now after the fact to, to like look back and be like, to reflect on the experience? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, you put a microphone in front of someone and you um, tell them that, hey, we need to talk about serious stuff for like a couple hours. And sometimes that's the only way to talk about serious stuff. Right. I mean, I'm sure like some of your podcast things, like people reveal things they wouldn't normally reveal when they're just, you're just sitting around chatting, right? right? So it's like, so yeah, we've been able to, yeah, talk about what it's meant for us. And um, in the Q&As and stuff, we talk about that. And uh, it's, it's just been, it's meant a lot. You know, me being an adult, and working together with another adult like it's it's such a new thing for us to right. do and uh does he like the movie was he happy with it yeah i think he's very happy with the movie oh, i mean yeah. he he can't believe people are coming out to watch this film and the big struggle actually was how much of him and his life to be in the film from the very beginning, me and Anson were like, hey, I think you should, you have to be like a thread of going through this film to give it this personal feeling and to kind of make it our own film where someone from the outside can't make this film. Right. Right. That's the big difference. And he's just kind of humble and he, he doesn't assume that anything he does is important. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't necessarily want to do that as much until we showed it to a few more folks and people that I don't know are not 
40 years younger than him and right. he sees as kids or whatever and right, uh, right. he no I don't know what his exactly his thought process was but he he came around to it mm-hmm. and uh, so I think that's part of the reason why he thinks it is kind of odd that he's in a movie mm-hmm. but he's gotten so much affirmation I think from people coming out to watch the film cool. that he feels I asked him one day, are you having fun? Like with all these screenings and stuff like that. And he said, fun is not really the right word and it's not what necessarily what I want. Mm-hmm. He said he's found it meaningful. And at that age, he's 84 now. That's what he wants. So that was 19, May 19 that, that Cam happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's been going on since and and... For anyone listening, um, can they see the movie? How can they see the movie? How can they support what you guys are doing? That kind of thing. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, since since the premiere, we uh, we've so right after the premiere, we decided to apply to a bunch of festivals, and festivals are cool. Mm-hmm. Because you get treated nicely and you just show up and people watch your film and stuff like that. Um, what happened was uh, a, uh, a couple festivals in the very beginning did not accept us into their festival. And I thought, damn, that sucks to kind of wait and rely on these people to approve of your film, basically. And... And a lot of times they're not going to. And I don't know if any of festivals are going to. Would they tell you why? No, they don't tell you why. Um, they give you a nice letter, very polite, saying, you know. Form letter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe because it was, I'm, it's such a, you know, they people say, like, that film is my baby now, right? It's like you have such a connection to it. And so when people will reject it, you feel like, oh, damn. Um, I don't know what to do. Um but, you know, us, we've always been like a pretty grassroots team and a grassroots effort. And uh, we decided to just like put on our own screenings. Like, I don't want to wait for other people to like approve of our film and then show our film. And then we don't we actually don't make any money or anything from that. We actually lose money for attending and all that stuff. So, um we decided to just put on our own screenings and see what happened. Mm -hmm. So we did, we started with like four in one day in San Francisco and they all sold out. And, uh, we've done, now we've done, I think like 10 screenings in San Francisco. They've all sold out, which is just, I don't take that lightly. Like that's amazing. I don't ever go to a theater and it's sold out. Um, especially one that's shown many times. And, um, and then we've we also did our own screen we put on our own screenings in like other cities mm-hmm. like Oakland, Sacramento. You just uh, got back from LA, right? We just had our uh LA and Orange County premieres. Okay. And we just we just showed in Seattle last week. It's been pretty awesome. I mean, um to be able to do it on our own and to do it together. Like my dad has been to almost everyone with me. Awesome. And uh, to get the feedback we have, like people will hang around the theater for like up to like half an hour, 40 minutes afterwards. 
people just like, like my sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah, that they, they they like they they want to like it's it's getting a reaction from them that they want to share back either to us or to other people. Mm-hmm. It's a real sense of community at these gatherings. It's it's I feel like it's a special thing and um and that's been for me it's been very affirming. Like I I felt like we could make a good film. I didn't quite understand how important it was until people gave us that feedback. Um, And so uh, we don't know how much longer we're going to kind of be doing our own screenings. It's a lot of work. It's, it's putting money out there. It's, it's a lot. Um, We have shown at some festivals and we're hoping to continue doing that. We are going to like, we are open to doing like private screenings. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to do those like at schools and at uh, organizations, things like that, churches. Um, And so, uh, yeah, we're kind of, again, just kind of doing this with, uh, I don't know what the template is, but we're not using one. There isn't, well, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so eventually the film will be on DVD. Eventually, maybe it'll be streaming and, um, but that's pretty far down the line I think mm-hmm. um, right now uh, the way people can support us is just to stay engaged with us on social media Facebook Instagram Twitter it's just it's at Chinatown Rising or go to our website ChinatownRising.com um, and just stay updated with what's going on like we don't have a ton of screenings coming up for the public um, but we list everything out there we do announcements and so the that's the best way to watch the film or if you've like watched it or want to support us you can tell people whatever town it's going to screen in tell them about it and um, hopefully they can make it out the stories in san francisco are so rich and so important and as a local i feel like we need to continue telling our stories and um that's what's gonna help us stick together like we need to That was Josh Chuck. Check back next week when we'll hear from Fillmore activist Reverend Arnold Townsend. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography for this episode is by me, Jeff Hunt. I also host and produce the show. Our website is storiedsf.com, where you can browse more than 110 episodes and help support us by buying merch from our store. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a quick favor and rate and review the show. And if you have any feedback or people you think should be on the podcast, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and stay safe. Stay healthy and stay safe.